0: Coming to you from Raleigh, North Carolina, and across the sandy beaches of the Carolina coast, take warning this is Kaniac Sessions. Kaniac
1: Sessions. Providing you with in depth
0: coverage of your Carolina hurricanes. And now,
2: let's get on to the session with your
0: host, Griff and AB.
2: Hello out there, Kaniac Nation. Thanks for joining us for session 16 of Kaniac Sessions. I'm Griff, and uh this session we are without A B. Uh he is tending to some family matters uh this evening, currently at recording. So I'm gonna be alone just to kind of uh <clears throat> with the uh main portion of the session, but we've got something special uh for this session. We sat down with uh Shane Willis who is the uh analyst for Bally Sports South he is the uh, manager of amateur and youth hockey at Carolina Hurricanes and uh is actual actually uh Kane's alumni uh having played for several seasons back in the early 2000s so uh we we sat down with him <clears throat> AB was a part of that and uh yeah had a good uh had a good conversation with him, uh, some things about him, and then some things about about the team. So, um, We will not make you guys wait to hear that. We'll go ahead and get over to that quickly. But first things first, we're brought to you by DraftKings and Raycon as a member of THPN. That's the Hockey Podcast Network. You guys know the drill. Uh, we talk about it every session. Uh, go ahead and download DraftKings Sportsbook. Use promo code THPN when doing so to score some bonus bets. Uh, Also, for Raycon, uh, and we'll get to this ad read later, but you can take advantage of their early Black Friday sale, uh, 20% to 50% off select items site-wide. So uh, check that out. Utilize that. We're also partnered with SeatGeek. First-time ticket buyers can use code Sessions. That's one word no space between caniac and Sessions, uh, to get $20 off your first ticket purchase. Take advantage of that, guys. I've seen some of you guys out there doing that, using it. Uh, we get we have this little dashboard that we can see uh, how many people are using it, and uh, it's out there. So keep, keep taking advantage of that. So now, without further ado, let's get you over to our interview uh, with Shane Willis. Hope you guys enjoy it. You're listening to Caniac Sessions. All right, joining us for session 16 of Caniac Sessions, we've got a special guest uh, with us today. I'm sure you guys, uh, if you've paid attention to the team for any amount of time, know who he is. Uh, he is Bally Sports South Analyst, uh, Manager of Amateur and Youth Hockey at Carolina Hurricanes, and Carolina Hurricanes alumni, Shane Willis. Shane, thank you so much for taking time to join us today. Uh, how is life uh, with the Canes? How, how's uh, how's your day?
0: Uh, well, life is always busy in our world. Obviously, the hockey season is rolling, so it really depends on which hat I have on, uh, depending on the day. Uh, Mondays yeah. and Tuesdays are always busy with youth hockey coming out of the weekend if things have gone on. But enjoyable as always. It's great to be in hockey season and we're off and running uh out of the gate strong right now. Awesome.
2: Yeah, so I imagine uh I know you do a lot of stuff up there and we you know I can just imagine how busy your uh your season gets, but I do want to talk to you a little bit about the youth ho- hockey role that that you have. Um and we all know that, you know, youth hockey has really grown exponentially in the in the triangle area and really really outside the triangle area. So I'm down toward Wilmington and Um, It's even, even growing, you know, down here. So, um, you know, do you want to talk about your role with the junior Canes and, and kind of um, what you do, you know, from your desk on a day to day basis or even on the ice?
0: Yeah. um, I think the main goal, when you look at the role of, of my position and my staff is how do we continue to grow the Hurricanes brand and the game as a whole. No better way to do that than creating more hockey players, male and female, which we've had a huge jump in over the past few years. So when I first came into this role 12 years ago, I kind of jumped into the deep end. You have kids playing in travel hockey. You have a few other travel hockey organizations, and you have the Recreational Health League. And I think our main goal was to continue to grow and get more and more kids on the ice the NHL has done a great job of working at that at a grassroots level with the new learn to play programs and our first goal program that we've put into this area the past six years. And you have to, and we'd be crazy not to sit here and look at the hurricane success over the last five years and say, well, that has nothing to do with it because that's the number one reason when you have a winning NHL team and you have superstars and have guys like Andre Svechnikov going to an all-star game, kids are drawn to that. They want to play the sport. They want to be like these guys that are on the ice and winning for the Carolina hurricanes now. So our job has been what I like to call a little bit easier the past few years with what this team has done and the success they've had. And as you said, we've had huge numbers jump in youth hockey, which one creates a huge atmosphere around creates more demand for ice time, but also creates more fans flowing into this building to watch these games as well.
2: Definitely. I've. I think I've even seen and heard about uh, even the high schools in the area are are developing programs and and things like that. So, uh, you know, I I know that that's all started down from you know the the younger ages and and just kind of worked their way up as kind of um, you know kind of built into their lives now. So, um, and then also I, I just recently saw an article um, about Mary Derenbacher, who. Yeah. uh, from Raleigh and now is, uh, playing with USA hockey, um, the under 18 team. So did you have a, yeah. did you have any, you, have you worked at all with her personally or?
0: Yes. Mary is a close friend of mine. Um, uh, Mary played with my son since the age of seven. So I've coached Mary for a very long time. Uh, they played on the same team for a number of years before she moved away last year to join Shattuck St. Mary's up in Minnesota and play all girls hockey there and she's been a huge success story out of our area her determination hard work in an area that sarah swingle who i work alongside with now continues to push and see the growth in women's hockey we see the excitement growing around women's hockey at a professional level and we know our area and the amount of girls we have playing now sees that you have to have that pathway for young girls to look at and and see a path that they can play professionally one day to continue to grow their excitement and draw to the game. And we've seen that here in our city and we're going to continue to push that. And Mary is going to be one of those superstars that young girls growing up here can look up to and say, she's just like me. I can make it to that level. I want to play in the Olympics. I want to go to division one college. And then eventually as this league is rolling for women
2: play professionally as well. Yeah. Great story. Great story around Mm -hmm. her.
1: Mm hmm. So we'll Shane, we'll shift over to the team. I mean, this team continues to be in the conversation for the Stanley Cup. And, you know, we've had great teams in the past, but this team on paper looks like the team that can go all the way. What does Carolina need to do to finish the story, finish the storybook ending?
0: Well, I think the trap that even from media and you guys know this and fans fall into is we jump into that positive boat at the start of the year with we're the odds on favor to win the cup. Look at this team. As you mentioned on paper, you still have to go out there and play the games. And Rod talks about the parody around this league all the time, the national hockey league to win. There are no layups on any given night. And when I look at this team into early November, where we are now, They've had some really good games. They haven't had any really off games um, besides the one I would say in Florida was the most disappointing one for the head coach just in right against the Panthers, but a great bounce back against the Lightning the next night. So this team has the culture and the mental stability, if you will, to get past those small bumps in the road. An 82-game season, you're going to have some lulls in it. And I just think through these first few games, you haven't seen – the chemistry you would have liked out of the gates. I think you have a few new faces in the mix where those lines matching up and gelling together. You don't have Svechnikov at the start of year. Sebastian Ajo gets banged up early on on the road trip and is out a few games. So I look at these next few weeks here at home when this team finally gets to sleep in their own bed for an extended period of time is a huge stepping stone for this hockey team to really establish themselves as what we talked about at the start of the year, as the odds on favorite, I think dominant wins here at home over the next five games will put a lot of people on notice around the league. Being this team starting to get it going, they have all their defensemen jumping in, they're getting the goaltender they need, and the forwards are all gelling together. So, I think this homestand coming up is going to be a huge step. And to me, when you talk about what does this team need to do, and everyone always says, Wow, oh, we're having some bumps in the road early, I think. Hopefully, one of the things we got out of our system early on is the injuries, because over the past couple of years, we've seen those on the backside of the schedule as the team is getting ready to jump into the playoffs. Last year, Andrei Svechnikov, Table Taravainen goes down. When you look at the team that won the Stanley Cup, and I talk about people all the time, Las Vegas was a great team. They had no one go down from the last month of the season into the playoffs. They had no major injuries one of their top end guys and that's what you have to have to win a stanley cup you have to dodge those bullets and, and your team maintain health and be playing the right way when you jump into the playoffs Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. well i mean we looked at the tampa game like you said the florida and the tampa game were polar opposites um <laughs> and um they played like the team we've come to know for so long and um I especially saw how much the power play operated with Tony on the ice compared to what he didn't play. You know, how how valuable is he, to especially on a cheap deal and the way the power play operates, how valuable is team?
2: Well, and I think that's been the
0: hard part from a coaching staff and a team perspective of, when you look at the roster and how deep it is to make sure all these guys are getting that ice time that you want to have and the amount of ice time and everything gelling together at the right time. And Tony is a valuable piece as much as Brent Burns. And it can be on any given night, which guy is really feeling it and gets things going, whether it's five on five or on the power play. I think Dimitri Orlov is another guy that's come in. And when you have this type of talent, it's easy for us to sit here and be like, well, just play them all. That's what guys want. Guys want to play more. They have to have time on the ice. They need those minutes. And I think in the past couple games where you've seen Dimitri Orlov's game excel, Mm -hmm. you see his minutes are gone up. Does that correlate with how he's playing in all those situations as well? So the good thing when you talk about depth is besides Tony D'Angelo, you have those options on the power play. You have Orlov, you have Burns, you have Jacob Slavin if you need him. Um, But the one factor I think where I lean to more than a Tony D'Angelo on the power play, Tavo Teravainen is right where this team needs him to be right now, and the way he's yeah. shooting and putting the puck in the back of the net. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, <clears throat> I'm glad I don't have to make those personnel decisions on a nightly basis because, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, it's anybody's guess, you know, who's on, who's not, who needs, you know, I don't know. It's just, um, it's fun to watch though. It's fun to see and, uh, you know how they make those decisions, but you know, I've kind of felt like that Tampa game, you know, I kind of, after, after that game was over, I remember telling my wife, I was like, you know, this, you remember last season, there was the Arizona game at PNC where they shut us out. And I felt like that was the kind of like what clicked it into gear for this team. And I feel like, you know, they went on that long run and, you know, maybe that Florida game was, you know, similar to that. I, I look for them to get home on home ice and put together a, a nice little point streak here. So we'll see. But um player I do want to touch on and, and get your take on is is Yasperi Kotkin So he is off to a great start this year. And you know, there's always been this kind of question mark surrounding him as far as I mean, maybe not to the team and the coaching staff, but to the national media and you know, everybody that talks about him and so on and so forth. But um you know, there are conflicting views on him and what his role should be on this team um, and really what his true potential is. But he seems to be off and running this year. What what are your thoughts surrounding him and, and his role?
0: I love his role right now. I think he is that second-line center that this team is going to need to win a Stanley Cup. And I also look back at this guy's age and knowing how young he still is. The one thing I factor in and... What I think the Carolina Hurricanes do such a good job of is when you talk about development. And when Ysperi Kokoniemi came to Carolina, they knew where he was drafted, the spot after Andre Svechnikov. So they knew a lot about him going into that draft. What if somebody takes Svechnikov? What are we going to do with our pick? So they've done their homework on Ysperi Kokaniemi, knowing his skill, talent, what he can do. When he arrived, I think it was a little bit of a surprise to the coaching staff and the organization the lack of development that Montreal had put into this young man and it's not his own fault. He's got all the talent in the world, but there still is that curve you have to put into a guy. And so there was a lot of work with Jeff Daniels and the coaching staff with Rod Brindamore to get with this guy, to push him to work on things that he was making mistakes on. And I think you've seen over the time here, each and every year, all you want from a guy is to take steps forward. And I think he's taken a couple already this season from a comfort level His skill continues to shine, and he's putting the time in not only offensively. I think that's the easy part of his game. The skill level is the easy part. But Rod talks about it a lot, the play away from the puck in the defensive zone. I think he's improved inside the faceoff circle, which is a big area as well. And right now, you look at him taking a couple of steps forward, and now if he stays on that trend, he'll be exactly where this team needs him to be as a second-line center and producing like he is right now.
2: Yeah, I just look at his development and his progression from the last two seasons. And, you know, from the day that he got here till today as we stand, it's, you know, again, polar opposites. He's really I think he's really grown into that role, taking it and run with it. And um, you know, I think we may be witnessing his quote unquote breakout year. So super excited. Well,
0: and we showed a stat on Valleys a few games ago of guys under the age of twenty five in that draft yeah. year who's produced the most and Yasperi very was in the top eight so everyone's so hard on this guy like what's he doing i mean he's produced as much as anybody in his age bracket coming out of that draft um andre was obviously number one in his position but Yasperi very continues to just climb that ladder and as a fan you always want someone to jump on and get 100 points and show his true skill but it's a tough game and these guys know what they're doing out there. And for a young guy to finally settle into his own skin and, and mature and grow. Yes. on the curve that this team wants him to be on to hit his stride at the right time. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. You, you talked about uh, especially young guys, Andre Svechnikov it's really good to have him back. And, you know, I want to get your take because a lot of guys, when they come back from an injury, they don't, they're expecting to play at a high level, but necessarily that's not the case. You know, uh, from your experience with injuries, and from any NHL player that's played, you know, do you think Sveshnikov is just waiting for that one uh, one goal, or is it repetition um, most likely that's you know not putting him towards the way that he wants to be? Yeah, I think for
0: him coming back from this type of injury and the length of the injury not being able to play in exhibition games and kind of get that feel mode out of the way. It's taken a couple games. I loved how he's played. He's played physical. He hasn't held back at all. And now as a goal scorer, he just needs one. I think he just needs one to find the back of the net. And then it's a, you know, landfall of goals that he starts ripping in because the confidence goes through the roof. You can see him now really pressing. I think he was good for a couple games, just playing the right way. But now knowing how hungry he is and how hard he's worked, he needs that goal. He wants that goal to kind of set him to another level and get him off and running. And I, I think, again, when we look at these home games coming up, it's a place that he's thrived in. And for his talent level, it's going to be that one shot. And if it goes in early in a game, look out, because it will explode for two or three that night. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's definitely not scared. <laughs> <So it's, laughs> yeah, definitely he's not afraid to shoot. Yeah. Um, so kind of shifting away from the team. And I, I just kind of want to get your thoughts on the division through 15 games. So any surprises that have jumped out to you or, or, is, or is everything kind of where you expected it would be this season?
0: No, I was talking about this earlier today. The one surprise to me has to be the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, I don't think anyone expected Philadelphia to come out and win as many games as they have already this season. John Tortorella, who I played for, is about a culture. And Daniel right. Briere and Keith Jones have made some move over this summer to move some guys out and bring different pieces in. And right now it's working. And John Tortorella talked to Tripp when the Hurricanes were up there and he said, I have everyone working the right way right now. And mm-hmm. they're not going to sit down and you know, lay down to anybody. They're going to come out and work as hard as any team in the Metro Division. So I think they would be my one surprise right now. I think you knew the Rangers were going to be good. You knew the Hurricanes were going to be good. I'm not sure if anyone expected the caps to be as off as they are. Obviously, dealing with some major injuries again to Backstrom, you know, not really getting the Mm goaltending. So I think on the flip side, the caps being as off as they are would be a little bit of a surprise to me. I thought they'd be still hanging around, you know, the 500 range, if you will, but they're uh, falling fast and not looking great in the Metro Division. Rangers, Canes, Devils, and Islanders are as expected. And yeah, Pittsburgh, I can't. I haven't got a read on Pittsburgh yet. They look really good and they look really bad. So we'll see them in a few nights here at PNC and really see what it's all about.
1: So yeah, like you were like you were talking about, so, you were talking ahead. about culture. And uh any player that's come in um that's played multiple seasons, it seems like Rod and his coaching staff you know, get the best out of players and they have, you know, almost career years, you know, you've been around Rod and, you know, you've seen how the coaching staff works. What sets them apart from any other coaching staff in the NHL?
0: I think players feel trust from their head coach and the assistant coaches and a belief that you maybe have not seen in other places you played. Immediately, Rod, if you're in this locker room, you're here for a reason. And there's full belief and every single player to go out there and do your job on a nightly basis. So that gives any guy confidence. But I think you also have to be able to relate to players. And Rod and every one of the coaches who's played at the highest level know exactly what these guys are going through. They know when they're going to have off nights. I played for coaches that if you played like you did in Florida, would have destroyed that locker room. Rod comes into the room and he knows. They're all human, right? We had an off night. You have a chance tomorrow night now. And I still believe in each and every one of you. And that's what a guy needs to hear. So I think the excitement, the hard work, and trust they have in a coach is what guys relate to and why they get the best out of each other each and every night. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: Awesome. Well, Shane, uh, we won't keep you too much longer. I just do want to get your thoughts on one more thing. Uh, So today we had some new – well, I won't say new, but (laughs) – some a blast from the past in these white whalers jerseys. I think. Have you seen them oh, yeah. yet? I'm assuming. Yes. Oh man, oh, I man. was those hoping.
0: Are... I mean, they're going to rock the Cooperalls for warm-ups. I think they should wear them the whole
2: game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, why, why take not? them off?
0: You got them on. Why take them off?
2: Yeah, they look. They're awesome. Um. Yeah. So, just your general thoughts on those those things coming back. Uh, that's going to be. uh I, I love really it. Cool. I, I,
0: Every night that we've had over the past few years, we've done Whaler's night. One, the hurricanes always play very well in those jerseys. Uh the fans have loved the green over the past few years, but now to switch it up to the white, I think it's a great look. I love how they're gonna wear the Cooperalls for uh warm ups for a little throwback. I was texting yeah. with someone earlier saying I had a pair of those. They weren't green, but I had a pair of those when I was a kid. <laughs> uh just just aging myself right there. And it's always a great night. Um to kind of show those colors once again, and everyone always looks back and everyone can look back at the stories. And there are still a lot of people upset that are in Hartford, but I think from business side and this team here and how it's thrived to show those fans there, that they're part of this organization. They're part of this history of this team. And it's important that, that the Hartford fans realize that, that we haven't just left there and we don't ever talk about them. We know the past, we know the great players that were there that kind of started this organization. And when Mr. Carmanos bought this team here, he saw a vision and it was starting to come to fruition when he sold the team to Mr. Dundon and he's taken over and pushed it to another level. And each and every year you have to do that, whether you're an owner, you're a general manager, a coach or player, you have to push to another level. And
1: this organization continues to do so in a great city of Raleigh. How, yeah. how likely is it that you'll put on a whaler's headband during the broadcast? <laughs>
0: it's, you know, every year, I'm glad you mentioned that because it was last year when they came ripping out on the ice. I was like, how come we didn't grab some of those, <laughs> yeah. um, to be wearing up here. So I'm going to talk to Hannah and see what we can do. And, you know, maybe I can convince her just to dye her hair green for the night, and really, really spice up the show. Uh, trip and Mike will be upstairs. Everyone always tells me that, like, you can wear a green. I've, I don't think I own a green tie. That's the one thing I need to work on as well. Mm-hmm. I should go back and, and find maybe a nice plaid suit to pull out. There
2: you <laughs> go. Really all the way back.
0: Yeah. We can go right back to the eighties in our style and everything. Big, thick ties. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. I'm, I'm watching. For, I'm
1: watching for the wrist wristbands as well. Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> see if y'all put on everything. The whole get up.
2: I'm getting ready to order my, uh, that, that corduroy hat that they, that they came out with. That's nice too. So,
0: yeah, always. That's the other thing. There's always great merch that comes out of Whaler's Night
2: for sure. Uh, for our fans. All right, Shane, we'll have hey, well, we you. Really should just, you, should,
0: you could hold off. Maybe we could just predict a hat trick that night. Then you get 25% off hats that
2: night. Oh,
1: that is also true.
2: I like it. Yeah.
1: That's also true. Well, most well, then of,
2: gotta, yep. But then I got to wait till after, though, and I can't wear it during the game.
1: <laughs> well, then you
0: have to buy
2: Maybe well, we get one the night before. It,
0: if it happens during the game, you got to throw it on the ice. You got to buy a new one, anyways.
2: Oh, fair. Okay, fair. Yeah. <laughs> okay, got it. So That's we're pretty. We'll
0: just predict a hat trick. Whalers night.
2: Why not? <laughs> Why not? Why not? All right, Shane. hey, really appreciate your time, um, everybody out there, guys. Uh, check out Shane before every home game on Hurricanes Live. Uh, intermissions, post game, yep. and uh on the canes cast with mike that comes out usually we get one of those I think every about every Wednesday on average so yeah we try uh, look, we
0: try and hit the Wednesdays
2: yeah yeah <laughs> so look for that uh great listen shane again thanks a lot thanks hey, guys shane. appreciate
0: it. Have a good one. you as well Bye.
2: all right I uh really hope you guys enjoyed that I know I did uh I know a b did as well so um before we get going with the rest of the session uh, we've got some sponsors to hear from. So our first one is DraftKings. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code THPN. New customers can get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See DKNG.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2023. All rights reserved. Um, our next sponsor is actually Raycon. Um, we've talked about Raycon before, and uh, I've actually tried their, um, their everyday earbuds, and I think they're great. Um, I recommend them for everyone out there, um, but it may be too early to start decorating for the holidays, but it's never too early to start your holiday shopping. Why not take care of it now before the crowds and packed calendars make shopping a total nightmare? Especially when you can get some of the best deals of the season well before Black Friday. You can shop Raycon products right now and save up to 50% off because their early Black Friday sale is going on now. You've heard me talk about Raycon products before, like I just talked about their everyday earbuds. earbuds excuse me. Raycon first made a name for themselves in the audio space with products like their everyday earbuds known for delivering high quality and thoughtful features like a 32-hour battery life and perfect in-ear fit for all-day wear and lasting comfort. And this past year, they expanded their entire business with the introduction of Raycon Home and Raycon PowerTech. Their five-star reviewed Magic 180 cable allows you to charge iOS, micro USB, and Type-C devices eight times faster with 100-watt power delivery. Their faucet filter ultra filters the water in your tap against chlorine and heavy metals. It's a must-have for ensuring the water you use to wash your face and brush your teeth is, you know, actually clean. Raycon is known for delivering high-quality and thoughtful features at half the price of other premium tech brands. It's no wonder their products have racked up tens of thousands of five-star reviews. To get everyone in the holiday shopping spirit a bit early, Raycon is currently offering 20% off everything on their site with select products up to 70% or excuse me, 50% off. So beat the crowds and save now. Trust me, you do not want to miss out on Raycon's early Black Friday sale. Hurry now to buyraycon.com slash THPN to get 20 to 50% off site-wide. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score up to 50% off Raycon products. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. All right, thanks for bearing with me through those ad reads there. Um a couple of things I want to get to uh, before we get out of here for the evening. I want to talk about, uh, recap the Florida and Tampa Bay games, some things surrounding those games. I want to talk about some AHL moves that we had, and then uh, we'll get out of here. But uh, first things first, this past weekend, we had back-to-back down in Florida. Uh, we started off Friday night against the Florida Panthers, where the Canes really struggled. Uh, they ended that game with a 5-2 loss. You know, Carolina was able to get on the board first in this game uh, with a quick goal by Jesperi Kokanyemi just about a minute and a half into the game. on a nice feed from um, Jesper Foss and Jordan Martinook. Then Matthew Kachuk who is a thorn in our side, responds uh, just about a minute 40 later with a goal to even it at one. Carolina then gave up another late-period goal to Malinsky's, which was his first NHL goal, to make it 2-1, and that's how the first period would end. And really, you know, the game just felt, at that point to me, just like even though it was 2-1, it just felt like it was too – Steep of a hill to climb, um, that would prove accurate. Second period, Bar, uh, Alexander Barkov would score about seven minutes in and make it three-one. Um, Carolina did try to come back at this point. Aho got his third of the season, uh, and that was his first. That was only his first at five-on-five five, uh, late in the second. But then the third period was all Florida. Verhage adds another five-on-five five goal midway through the third. Um, and then Carolina would pull Auntie Ranta toward the end of the period for the extra attacker. Uh, but shortly after Ranta made it to the bench, Stenlin hits the empty net with just under four minutes left. And that's how it would end 5 2. You know, the team just played. I mean, I hate to say this, but they just played awful. They looked slow. They just looked uninterested, could not get to their four check. Um I feel like every the the entire game was just played in transition uh the power play wasn't good. you could really tell um you could really tell that they were struggling the power play and you know a lot of that maybe had to do with the fact that Dmitry Orlov was quarterbacking that first unit, and uh they had just installed that a couple days before but you know R- rod called out the team post game and his you know media availability at the end several players did as well uh jordan martin jordan Martinuk was on record saying that there were several guys that just weren't you know quote buying in um however you want to read into that you know but auntie ranta as far as the goalie goes wasn't bad i don't really blame any of the four goals on him uh he made 30 saves on 34 shots but you know this was one of those games where you know for instance, a lot of nights you play well or you play decent. And you, you just don't get the win. You can kind of flush it, chalk it up to, you know, a bounce or a goaltender or whatever, and then you can just move on. But this one wasn't like that. You can't just – it's like you can't just move on from this game. You have to address it because they're, the issues were so prevalent that, you know, you just can't – you can't just chalk it up to coincidence and flush it um so i think the team used that game and i'm going to talk about something in a minute that i reminded me of last season uh you may have heard it in the interview with shane but you know they may this may have been a wake up call to the team especially with the words by the coach and the leadership group on the team because the very next night Saturday night, they got right back at it against Tampa Bay, and it looked like a completely different team on the ice. Uh, Carolina gets out of Tampa with a 4-0 shutout. Uh, Great game. Carolina um, was just hot all game. They got to their game early, played their game all night, uh, from puck drop to the final horn. So in the first period, Tavo Teravainen stays hot with his ninth goal of the season on the power play uh, on a pass from Ajo and Natchez. So it's, I think it's important to note that last year, Turbo had 12 goals on the entire season. And he played 68 games last year. This year, through 15 games, he's already got nine. So he's just three off of his entire amount from last season, if that puts this in any kind of perspective for you guys. Excuse me, the first period would end 1-0, but you just felt like Carolina did not get enough out of that period. Um, They should have had more. I know there was at least, I mean, Aho, Jarvis, and Bunting, all three missed wide open nets at at certain points uh, that they should have scored on. So Sebastian Aho would also add his fourth of the year in the second period uh, on a pass from Fetch and Slavin. Uh, the second would end 2-0 with after that goal. The third period team comes out, and it looked just like the first and the second. Brent Burns would score on a tip-in uh, on a shot from Brady Shea to make it 3-0. Later on in the third, Steph Nason would also score on a tip-in tip on a shot from Bunting uh, that was also assisted by Brent Burns. So the game ended 4-0. Uh, Piotr Kachekov was credited with his fifth shutout of his career. Uh, I believe he made 22 saves on 22 shots in this game. <clears throat> you know, like I said earlier, Carolina was just on top of their game from you know beginning to the end. Uh, pen- penalty kill was second to none; it was excellent, even with uh, you know Tampa Bay's got a uh, lethal power play. Uh, even though Nikita Kucherov did not play in this game. Uh, they still have, you know, Victor Hedman running that unit. Steven Stamkos is still on the ice. Uh, Nick Paul out there on that first power play unit. So um, just a lethal a lethal power play for Tampa uh, that we were able to successfully kill. Um, the power play was also, also lethal, ours. Uh, we were one for three, but you just felt like all three of our power plays were just generating chance after chance Um, could have definitely scored more than just the one, but still 33% uh, pretty darn good in my book. A couple other things from this game. I, I really like to see how the team kind of, you know, there's a lot of indicators that they were kind of using this game as a, kind of like an opportunity to gel together. Um, from, you know, even from warm-ups, you saw how Austin Watson, if you've seen the video, uh, Austin Watson from Tampa was, you know, I don't know if he had something against bunting, some kind of history there or what, but, you know, he would skate over across the red line during warm ups, which is not allowed well well, you shouldn't do. Uh, big no no, apparently, but, you know, he was going over messing with bunting and then uh, Tony D'Angelo came up with some words, nice little stick tap on the shins, um, basically telling Watson that he needs to go away. And that would carry over into the game. Um, but you just felt like they had each other's backs the whole game. They were playing for each other. Um, you know, also, I will note that Michael Bunting did fight Tanner Janot, uh really early in the game. And I just loved how guys were standing up for each other, you know, from the start to the finish. Um, I felt like the team really grew this game. And what I wanted to bring up that I mentioned earlier is if you remember last season, uh, there was the game against the Coyotes in PNC arena, where we were shut out from that moment forward, you felt like the team last season found their groove. Uh, I believe there was a, nice win streak after that or a nice point streak of some sort. And, um, yeah, so I felt like kind of maybe this Florida game was similar to that. So maybe that was their quote-unquote wake-up call, kind of like that Arizona game was last week, or excuse me, last season. So maybe, maybe we'll be able to see this team get on a nice run here Uh, through this homestand in November. Um, Maybe we can start stacking up some wins. So that is that as far as the recaps of the games. One other thing I want to get into uh, tonight, before I get out of here, it was reported that um, Carolina was going to send some prospects from their various locations back to the Chicago Wolves. I don't really know what led up to this decision or led up to these transactions, but I'm just going to tell you what kind of just speculate a little bit on what I believe happened. So, we knew after camp and after the preseason, you know we Carolina sent a lot of prospects to Norfolk um, to the ECHL that really probably should be playing on an AHL roster somewhere. so Dominic Finsor, Ronan Seeley, and Griffin Mendel are three of these players that were assigned to Norfolk. Um, they are three that were announced to be moving from Norfolk to Chicago for the Wolves uh, on an AHL roster. Also, if you remember Vasily Panamarov, who we've talked about several times throughout the last few sessions, he, um, he was recently, you know, he recently came off of IR. Uh, he was assigned to Tucson, uh, which was an A- which is an A- AHL roster. Um. And then he was down there for maybe a game or two, maybe, I don't know what it was, maybe a week. And then it was announced that he would move up to Chicago uh, for the Wolves, where a lot of these guys played last year when Chicago was the AHL affiliate for, excuse me, the AHL affiliate for the Canes. So <laughs> what do we make of this? I don't, you know, I don't really know. There's been a lot of reports out there by, I'll I'll call it less than credible sources. Uh, I'm not going to call them credible sources, but less than credible sources. And if you followed this story at all, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, there's a lot of one-sided reporting that's gone on uh, with the Chicago Wolves. And at this point, I feel like we can just flush all that. Here's what I believe. And and again, this is pure speculation on my part. None of this is verified. None of this is, you know, written anywhere. This is Griff using his brain that, might I add, I believe is uh, decent. (laughs) But here's what I believe. I believe Chicago may have realized that they got in over their head. Now, there's talent up there, right? There is. But there's a reason that the players that make up the Chicago Wolves roster are not prospects with NHL clubs for whatever reason that might be. But my assumption is that they are not NHL caliber or even AHL caliber players, you know, they're probably, uh, well, I won't say they're not AHL caliber players. They are not NHL caliber prospects. How about that? That sounds better. So I believe Chicago realized that, Hey, if we're going to win, we need some help, right? We need some guys that, Uh, have a little bit more potential than what we have. So, you know, there's this whole narrative around Panamarov and how he uh, wanted to be in Chicago. And whether that's true or not, I think there was a need in Chicago, and I think there was a need in Raleigh, right? Raleigh, and when I say Raleigh, I mean the Carolina Hurricanes, didn't really want to have a lot of these players playing down in the ECHL. You know, that's going that's obviously got to hamper their development. So, you know, maybe Don Waddell called Chicago and said, "Hey, look. I see you're struggling. I've got some guys. Um, can I send them? Can we work something out? Can we push our differences aside and work something out?" Oh, by the way, I'll send you Vasily Panamarov who you guys love up here and who he obviously has love for. So let's 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 work this out here. Or Chicago could have called Don Waddell and said something similar. Hey, Don, do you still want to send some of these prospects back? Let's work something out. So, you know, whatever really happened is kind of irrelevant at this point. But the good thing is, is Chicago gets some help, right? They get Vasily Ponomarov, who is can easily go up and center their top line. Um, then you get some good defenders in Don Fensor, Ronan Seeley, and Griffin Mindell, um, who really came down here uh, during camp and the preseason and played well. So, you know, it's a win-win for both sides. Uh I'm glad to see that these two organizations, um, even though they are not, you know, hand in hand uh with an affiliation, it's good to see that they are able to have a working relationship. And if this works out, maybe, you know, maybe we can send some more. Maybe we can, you know, unite some of our guys. Because we still got uh we've still got Ryan Suzuki out there, we've still got Dylan Coglins that, you know, Dylan Coghlan's out there at Springfield. Um, I believe Jameson Reese is there as well. So if this works out and Chicago expresses maybe more interest or um, you know, whatever it is here down the road, maybe we can unite some of our prospects um, which to me is a good thing, no matter where they're at. But That's the news surrounding that. Uh, We'll see what comes of it. Like I said, it's a win-win for both sides. So, yeah, good to see us uh, getting along with the uh, Wolves again. So, that's all I have. Um, The Carolina Hurricanes are returning home for a nice, long homestand for the rest of the month of November, Uh, Wednesday night against Philadelphia. That's a nationally broadcast game. I believe Puck Drop is at 7 30 on TNT. Uh I'll be in the building. Can't wait. Uh that's also hockey f- hockey fights cancer night. So uh, we'll see the purple warm-ups on the ice uh before the game. And then the team gets a couple days off before returning to PNC Saturday night against the Penguins. Uh looking forward to that one also. Doing some tailgating and I got some family coming to that game. So really looking forward to it. Yeah, that's all I got. So everybody out there, thank you for listening. Uh, You can find us on X, Instagram, Facebook, at Kaniac Sessions. Uh, You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, like, uh, rate, drop us a review. I would love to have some more ratings and reviews Um, and be honest. Let us know what to improve on. Let us know what you want to hear. You can find me on X at M underscore Griff 10. That's M underscore Griff one zero. You can find AB, my co-host at AB Caniac session on X. So check us out again. Subscribe, like, rate, review. Thanks for listening to Session 16. We will see you guys at PNC Arena, and we'll see you in Session 17. Thanks for listening to Caniac Sessions.
0: To stay up to date on all Kane's news or to interact with Griffin A.B.,
1: please follow us on X, Instagram, or Facebook at Caniac Sessions. Let's go Canes. Let's go Canes.